Hello and welcome to the Wellbeing Wanderer podcast. I'm your host, Kat Burdett, wellbeing coach, eternal nomad, and self-love enthusiast. Come join me on a journey as I deep dive into what it really takes to achieve that happy, content state of being. The goal of this show is to bring you those feel-good vibes, expand your learning, and encourage your own personal growth so that you can discover what well-being means for you. I'll be exploring every and any genre, including health, mindset, spirituality, and much more. So get ready for a juicy, mind-opening, raw, and real experience when no topic is off-limits. I hope this helps you to feel good. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode of the Wellbeing Wanderer podcast. How are you doing? I hope you're doing amazing. So every day I like to express gratitude for the fact that I am healthy, pain-free, I don't have any ailments, and I really am so, so grateful for this. But there are some people in this world that suffer from chronic pain, stress, anxiety, and they're not doing so well and their life is extremely challenging. But have you heard about those unbelievable and remarkable people who have managed to heal themselves from pain and reverse stress and chronic anxiety? Well, this is exactly what we're going to be talking about in today's episode of the Wellbeing Wanderer podcast. So I have an incredible guest on for you today. Her name is Elizabeth Kipp and she's a chronic pain and stress management specialist, a trauma-trained and yoga-informed addiction recovery coach and an ancestral clearing practitioner. Elizabeth shares how she was able to get out of being in chronic pain, stress and anxiety for over 40 years of her life and she achieved this through finding a very special doctor who gave her what seems like a very simple solution, but one that was potent enough to completely transform her life so that she was never in any pain again. This episode focuses on the power of the mind and the ability that we have in our own human potential. So perhaps you are somebody listening who is in chronic pain, who deals with a lot of stress, who suffers from anxiety. As you know, this is something I used to suffer with for a long time. And you want to get out of it. Or perhaps you have someone you care about or someone you love who's going through this and has tried all the traditional routes and even some of the alternative holistic ones. This is the episode for you. So without further ado, here is the wonderful Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth, and welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thank you so much, Kat. It's, it's my pleasure, and, and I'm, I'm excited to, to share your listeners with my audience. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what you have to say. <laughs> so with that in mind, I would love you to share with everyone who you are and just give a brief overview of what you do. Sure. Thank you. I'm a stress management specialist, um, trauma-trained and yoga-informed addiction recovery coach, and ancestral clearing practitioner. And that sounds like a lot of a, a lot of different things, but really the umbrella is stress management, really chronic uh, chronic stress, 
and chronic pain. And then all the other things are supportive of that. Yeah. Incredible. Stress is a a massive one. Um, Yeah. I I do find the less stress that we have in our lives, the better we feel. And that's, that's certainly been my experience. Oh, certainly. Yeah. There's, I think there's a real art to living um, beyond the pressure of chronic stress. There's, there's a way to find that. It just, uh, these days, I think it's, it's something we have to learn. And I wish they started us in, in, in kindergarten <laughs> with it. Yeah. Yeah. A whole, uh, a whole re-education I think is needed when it comes to things like this for sure. And it's a shame it can't be introduced at those earlier ages. Well, before we dive in, I have a question that I like to ask everyone. So I'm very interested to hear what you say to this, but what does well-being mean to you? Ah, beautiful question. Um, I would say um, actually an expression of our wholeness. We, we came in whole, already whole, and well-being would be um, a, a, a allowing us to be an expression of that uh, as opposed to an expression of all the conditioning and the effects of trauma that I'm carrying, um, uh, showing up as, as the expression of, of, of my life. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's almost like this remembering of, of who you actually are and stripping away like all that conditioning. Yeah. That you've built up around you a hundred percent. Love that answer. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'd really like to hear more about your backstory because it sounds absolutely incredible from what I've been reading and I know you spent 40 years of your life in chronic pain anxiety with panic attacks so yeah please uh share with us uh what you went through thank you I I I grew up in a household um where my mother was bipolar and um she uh, drank alcohol and that didn't help um, so there was uh, there was a lot of um, instability in the in the in the house. It's just in terms of being able to predict uh, where she would be in any given moment, and so that that really sets uh, the nervous system up for uh, chronic stress right there. Right, that's like hypervigilance. That yeah. that that starts it right there. Um, then when I was fourteen, I um, had an accident where I fell on a fell off a horse and fell on a rock and I broke my fifth lumbar front to back and the front part of it slipped forward into my pelvis and we were able to my doctors and I were able to kind of manage that really chiropractically for uh 14 years until I got until until like 14 years until I was 28 and and it it, it got became unstable and they were worried that it was going to slip and it did start slipping. And it's now it, it, at that point when we, the, the accident is 25% slip forward. Now it's 80% slip forward, but I had surgery. Um, I had a series of surgeries and we finally got some hardware. I'm kind of the bionic woman. We got some hardware in there to hold it in place. And um, it was interesting because the doctors, it was very painful. It was very painful. And I already had a nervous system that was set for in, in this chronic stress hypervigilant state that just made it worse. 
they gave me um, uh, opiates and benzodiazepines, which is an anti-anxiety medicine to uh, to to manage to manage my life because they 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 saw at that time in my life they saw that they didn't have an answer other than opiates and benzos <laughs> that was their answer uh to the for the they, they just didn't see that I would ever heal so that was an interesting um experience because I had a science background and I knew something about I knew to bow to the doctors and their knowledge because you know that's not my area right but I also understood when they gave me a pronouncement, you know, you will be in level seven out of 10 pain for the rest of your life. You will be in a wheelchair when you're 40. I knew that there was some inaccuracy there because they had forgotten the model they were working under. In science, there are no facts. There's only probabilities. So the honest thing would have been to say, it's probable that, but they didn't say that. They said, you will. So I knew right there that there had been an error made. And the other thing was, is that science, um, paradigms shift and we discover things. So you're working in a framework that can only, um, can only really comment on that, which, which it can observe, measure, and describe. But that's where when we work with doctors, that's kind of their framework. But where do we heal? We heal there and in the all that is, not just there. So I knew I had to look outside of that framework, um, start referencing outside for my healing that I that I needed. I need I needed more information. <laughs> so so um, it just took me a while to. I had a lot of like I had Reiki and I had um, uh, yoga. I had a beautiful gentle yoga practice and. I had a massage therapist and acupuncture and and I'm so grateful for them because they really kind of kept me going until I found a doctor finally who understood the nature of chronic pain and 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 helped me heal from it. And that included getting off the medication, which I was on for 32 years, um, including 15 years of fentanyl, which is kind of ast- astonishing that I'm still here. <laughs> um, and... Uh, and really, um, he understood the changes that happen in the brain because of chronic pain, and there are changes. And he knew he knew how to heal those changes. And opiates and benzodiazepines don't heal those changes. They really kind of make the whole situation worse. Um, in my case, they definitely made it worse. So, yeah, yeah, they have a place. They just don't have a place in the chronic in the chronic health field. They have a place in the acute stage. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, you were on those for 32 years, those painkillers, which I can't even imagine what that does to your body. I know I've had people on the show before and they've explained to me about the acidity buildup that um, those sorts of modern drugs can actually cause it within the body, which can cause like osteoporosis and all sorts of of other things. So she's holding her hand up here. (laughs) You can't see. Um, Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's like those drugs, um, like you say, everything has a place. Those drugs have a place. But when you have those drugs chronically, you're not dealing with the actual issue. You're just masking the problem. And like you say, I guess they they didn't 
think that it was possible for you to find a solution and a cure to this. So what is it that doctor that you found that was a specialist with chronic pain? What did he teach you and what did he do with you? Yeah. So just it's a difference between those doctors and this doctor. And what is the difference? Well, their their training, their orientation. And um, and it taught me the these other doctors they taught me about the the um, limitation of the medical model they were working under rather than any comment about my ability to heal. That was the difference between them and Dr. Prescott, who, who was the doctor that actually understood. He was a, a neurophysiologist and he was an addiction doctor and he, he had a bunch of different um, medical uh, degrees, actually, especially specialty psychiatry, specialty, all kinds of specialties, a board certified in a, a, a number of different um, Western medical um, uh, areas. And he was also a Qigong healer. So he had this Eastern, and, and when he, when he looked at me, he didn't want to look at my x-rays or my records. He wanted to know who I was. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> Where have you been all my life? Right. So he taught me. Um, well, he helped me detox off the medication, and then he. And the most profound thing that he really taught me was the power of the mind in the healing space. Mm-hmm. And he asked me early on. I was sitting in a class with twenty other people, just like me, which was astonishing in itself. Um, he asked us all what are you doing to, contrib- to, co- to contribute to your pain? And it never occurred to me that I had been doing anything to contribute to my pain. And yet I was judging my pain as bad, mm. right? So just that alone, oh, I have pain, it's bad. Just that alone is enough to contribute to your pain experience yeah. because you're resisting what is. And so he he really... Um, he really helped us uh, with it. He got our bodies, he got our bodies calmed down. He teaches, taught us how to, I was already a meditator, but he, he taught us how to really calm the mind through, um, we used Qigong and we used meditation and without the medication, um, uh, my meditation practice was, was stronger and, and I was able to really calm the mind. Meditation is one of the most important um uh, aspects of calming the mind and, and healing the changes that chronic pain brings to the brain. Mm. Uh, and then, and then also we, we have to, uh, we have to regulate the nervous system. We have to be able to be calm. We have to understand how to breathe. We have to feel a connection to other people, to maybe a, a, a higher, a power higher, greater than ourselves uh, to uh, some kind of community in chronic pain, you get very isolated. So that's another piece. And then you can work on the mind, but there's a real hierarchy to healing. First regulate the nervous system, then connection, then you can reason and learn. So he used that model. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I'm just trying to think about what you're saying there. So, so it starts with regulating the nervous system. So let's break that down. Like how how do you regulate the ner- nervous system? Is it just a case of um, meditation, clearing your thoughts? Like is there, you know, what's the actual process to that part? 
that's a great question. It really begins with the breath. It really begins with the breath. Um, we come into this life on an inhale and we leave it on an exhale. And the quality of our life, according to the yogis, uh, is the quality of our life depends on the quality of our breath, mm-hmm. conscious breath. So yes, we automatically breathe, but <clears throat> we can actually leverage the power of the breath to um, help uh, tone and um, regulate the the vagus nerve, which is the tenth cranial nerve, and is its vagus means wanderer, and it's it, it's kind of all it goes into all the organs. It comes up into the heart and the lungs. It's up in the throat, the voice, the eyes, the ears. Um, so um, it's our threat assessment and social engagement system. So when we're under threat, it's the vagus nerve that lights up, that puts us in fight, fright, freeze, shut down that piece. And that's an example of a uh, very high activation dysregulation if it continues. So we, we use the breath. And in that case, the breath, what's happening? The breath is shortened or it's stopped altogether <gasps> like that right? So what do we do? The antidote to that, the way to hack that to feel so that the nervous system feels safe again is to, is to do that nice long exhale and breathe long and deep, keeping the exhale a little bit longer, up to twice as long as the inhale. And it will help, it will help send a signal to the vagus nerve, oh, I'm safe after all. So we start with the breath. And it sounds really simple, but it's actually very powerful. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I just have to breathe, <laughs> breathe <laughs> consciously, breathe consciously and and, and correctly um, with that exhale as long or a little bit longer than the inhale, and it's going to make a difference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it also, yeah, like in re- reducing stress and anxiety as well, it's particularly good. And I, tr- when I was working in the hospital, because I'm actually a radiation therapist or therapeutic radiographer, so, you know, and I I, I remember I when you were saying that, it just popped into my head about one of my colleagues kind of almost, as we say, taking the piss out of me a little bit, but like, oh yeah, I just need to breathe and I'll feel better. Oh yeah, that's much better now. And it's like, no dude actually <laughs> actually it's a real it's a real thing and like that's the thing i think a lot of people don't actually believe that sometimes it can be that simple as just taking a long breath but that you know and i i know that to be true and i've heard that before and obviously there's science to support it as well about the vagus nerve yeah mm-hmm. a, a, a longer exhale than than inhale does regulate the nervous system um and it makes you feel calm. So I love like the simplicity of that, that first step to healing it. And so what was the next step that you spoke about there? So the first step was regulation. Well, the other one is to practice. <laughs> you, wanna, <laughs> you, you need to actually to regulate. You can, you can kind of make a change in the moment, but if you really want to widen your window of tolerance and, and, and build your, your capacity for resilience, the uh, practice of a, of a, a regular um, conscious breathing uh, exercise and there are lots of them out there just look up vagus nerve breathing you know and and you'll get you'll get them i wouldn't for people that have trauma i wouldn't i wouldn't suggest uh, a breath hold a uh, technique because you don't want to mimic doing that you don't want to mimic that but but otherwise um 
uh, you know, breath, breath is, there's lots of breath work out there that's, that's very powerful. Second step there in the hierarchy is that sense of connection, that sense of connection. Uh, Dr. Bruce Perry uh, really coined the phrase um, in this order, regulate, relate, reason, since it makes it real easy to remember. So second thing is we have to feel like we're related um, to the world mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and to ourselves, certainly to ourselves in, internally. Um, and in the chronic pain experience and under chronic stress and this dysregulation, we're disconnected. We we're, we'll dissociate. We're we're we. I don't know where I am in the world. We get I feel ungrounded. So first we regulate. Then we want to. We can get with another person who who can help us, um, like a doctor, therapist, um, just a coach, somebody that understands kind of what co-regulation means, and can hold a safe space for someone who's a little bit um, who's trying to get themselves back into harmony. And um, and then the third one is then we can reason, and that's where the mindset comes in. Oh, um, oh, I, I need to. I, I'm judging my pain. Then I can have access to. Oh, look at what I'm doing. But if I'm dysregulated, I don't even. I don't have access really to thought very well. It's just. It's all. I want to shut down or or guard or or run away. Mm, yeah, and I think. Um... I'm thinking like regulation in people's lives who maybe don't have that chronic pain is just self-care really, isn't it? Looking after yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess so with with the chronic pain is what you're saying. You need that additional um, breath work there to help you regulate and get it under control. Well, yes, in chronic pain, the stress response gets out of balance and it kind of gets stuck on the on position. So the work is to have a regular practice to bring it back into balance. And, and that would be true for anybody that's under chronic stress as well. And so, you, you, you know, that's what is chronic pain? Chronic pain is physical pain, mental, emotional, any kind of pain that's felt for 15 days out of 30 for three months or more. The brain, it, it's all sends the same signal to the brain. It hurts. The brain can't tell the difference between a broken bone and a broken heart. Mm. Yeah. So So, you want to get to the point where you're able to, to almost reprogram your brain and say, okay, mm -hmm. this, this is, this is something and a feeling that I'm experiencing it. I'm experiencing, but I can choose not to see it as negative and I can choose not to see it as pain. And you're kind of reprogramming, your brain in a sense is that is that what you did that's close um i would call it i would call it pain but i I wouldn't mind calling it pain but it's information rather than bad right yeah and it's information and also i didn't realize at the time but i became identified by my pain because i was it was just there all the time and so it just became kind of who I was. Well, that's, that's a, that's an error. So I'm experiencing my pain, but it's not who I am. Mm. That's a huge teaching too. No, not, not judging the pain as bad. Just, it's just information. And then this other piece of, I'm not identifying with it. I'm having the experience of it, but it's not, it's not who I am. Mm. Those are really huge things, but I, I, of course, I can't 
I can't get really understand those in my bones until I have enough regulation and I've got the nervous systems regulated and I feel like I can connect back into myself again. <laughs> right? It's a bit like meditation, isn't it? Where you just become the observer of your thoughts. And so instead of creating an identity with your thoughts, you just, you acknowledge the thought is there. You thank it for being there even. And then you, you observe it. And once you observe it, that emotion dissolves. And so I'm, if I'm understanding you correctly with the whole pain aspect, it's like if you can become the observer and separate yourself from that and see it for what it is, it then dissolves the pain. It changes the nature of the pain. It changes the nature of the pain. Um, I uh, had quite a wrist injury after I got out of that pain program, I had quite a wrist injury and broke my wrist in seven place, seven pieces. And, uh, and it took a while to heal, but I didn't use any pain medicine at that point. Cause I, 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 there was the, the downside of pain medicine is enough that, and I, and it was like, I could sleep. I kind of <laughs> off and on. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't so stressed that I couldn't uh, calm down, but it hurt a lot. And, and I had to, I had to use all the tools that Dr. Prescott taught, uh, which was really allowing that um, energy, that pain, that pain signal to be there and not push up, try and change it, Mm. not try and change it. And which my default when I get kind of stressed, um, my default is I'm going to fight with it. <laughs> I'm going to resist whatever it is that that's happening. I'm going to, ah, you know, I'm going to resist it. That just makes it worse. So I had to really, I, I had to refine my own learning. I'd go deeper into my own learning. And what I discovered was, and I, it's, it's very difficult to teach this. It's something that, because I, I, I don't know quite how I did it, but I know I did it and other people can do it. So it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's doable, right? That pain, once I was able to just uh, relax enough to allow it to be there, all that pain in my wrist turned into energy. So it was kind of like, imagine um, Niagara Falls, it's a, uh, Victoria Falls, like big, big waterfall, right? Imagine, and now, and it's running, rushing, rushing, and then you put a, a and you put a pipe around it, and there's builds up all this pressure, right? You're gonna feel that. Mm-hmm. Well, when when I was able to to allow that pain to be there without trying to change it or or resisting it at all, it was like taking the pipe off of the falls. Yeah, it just became free flowing energy. That's the best way I can describe it. It's really hard to teach, but I can point you to it. Yeah. No, I I um I completely hear what you're saying there. And it is, you know, I'm often saying um there's the expression what you resist persists and actually can amplify in some cases and exactly. build, up that, build up that pressure. And it's always when we're going against something when we're causing that resistance that we actually suffer the most and this is the this can be applied to probably everything in life and I think possibly the best piece of advice I can always offer people is to go with the flow which is obviously easier said than done um but it is in the resistance that we suffer for sure um so yeah it's really interesting to hear it from from your perspective that that's what happened to you 
Oh yes, and and that was one of the things that that um, Dr. Peter uh, Prescott talked about was uh, you don't have to suffer anymore. You you don't you don't have to suffer. You know, pain is part of life, but suffering is is optional. You hear that in the Buddhist in the Buddhist world. Uh, yeah. He didn't really say that, but I I, I learned about that. Beside, in addition to what Dr. Peter was talking about, and and I often wondered about that. What do you mean, pain is op- pain is is you know part of life and suffering is optional? What does that even mean? Well, it's what it means. <laughs> it's <laughs> like how we're approaching um, the experience of you know a broken bone, a broken heart, uh, whatever the whatever the. The, the body's pain signal is that's sending to us that we need to make a shift here and we've got some healing to do as our reaction to it that makes the difference. Yeah. And I'm just wondering about um, how this links in with the anxiety and trauma that you had. Did it, did it amplify what you had? Well, it, it, it's it's an interesting question. Um, you can't separate mind, body from spirit, as you know, as a holistic well-being coach, right? So it's all in there together. And my healing journey was getting off the medication, uh, learning to move my body in a in a way that would help clear it. Uh, I had I, I had a I had a good diet kind of to begin with, but it, I I tightened it up after I got out of that uh, program, and so you and and I was and I and sleep was also sleep was kind of tricky because coming off of benzodiazepines is your sleep is just fractured, and so that's been that was years in the making to try and get back to a kind of a regular sleep. It took time for that, but the trick with that was like not to fight again, not to fight with it. Oh, I'm having difficulty sleeping. I, I can't. I'm, I'm awake now, and I was. I haven't been down for more than an hour. Well, go back to sleep. <laughs> and if you can't go back to sleep, meditate. But not. Oh my God, I can't sleep. I'm not going there. Right. So it's kind of like, how are you approaching life? Another thing I had an an, an advantage was um, this. Um, I kind of came in with this gift, which I swear my ancestors brought gave me, um, of gratitude. So I was, I was, yes, I had difficulty uh, with with all that pain, and 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 it took time to 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 find healing and stuff. But I was, I had a lot of gratitude, and I really feel like that helped me um, s- stay on the journey to to find healing. Mm, so how how did it help you specifically? I mean, obviously, I know about this, but I'm asking for everybody mm-hmm. listening. Well. Um, you know, when there's a there's a way you can, we live in a dualistic world. So when something good happens, it also has, it also has a flip side, right? And when something quote unquote bad happens, it, it always ha- it also has a good side. So things are, things are, oh, this, you know, this, I remember my, my, um, my son, when he was really little, he said, aren't you, aren't you mad at that rock? You know, and I was like, and I was like, it was a great question, right? And I, but I was kind of like, well, no, I'm not. It, it's not, it's not the rock's fault. It's just what happened, right? And what's interesting is it, it, it shifted the course of my life. 
that that moment when I had that, it shifted the course of my life. So the question is, um, what is the gift in this moment? Right. It's kind of that's kind of how the, the gratitude shows up. So if I'm having if I have a problem and I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. Well, um, what's the gift in that? Well, the gift is maybe I'm maybe I need to trust the, the universe a little bit more. And maybe I need to get myself regulated so I can think straight. <laughs> right? There's there's lots of ways you can you can bring that in. But um, I, and, and the other thing is. Um, in the chronic pain and really even chronic stress uh, world, we tend to spend time um, fretting about the future. Oh, what what if this happens? Or about the past. Oh, this thing happened to me. So those are not helpful. It's just going to give us more dysregulation. So the idea there is to I, I'm in this moment and I, I have what I need in this moment. Mm-hmm. And that was something I also, like I said, I had a meditation practice like since like 1974 or something. So I had, I already had this ability to kind of stay here, stay, stay concentrated on this moment. And that was very helpful, but it's not just staying in this moment. It's like being grateful that you have what you have in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. That answers the question. Yeah, no, it does. And, you know, I'm just thinking it's a great reducer of stress and anxiety. And something that's helped me as somebody who used to be incredibly socially anxious as well. um, And I I never actually even knew that I had anxiety. I didn't know that's what it was. Um, But I just knew that I always felt really uncomfortable in certain situations. And anyway, but when I when I started practicing that myself, I started practicing being in the present moment, not focusing on the future or rehashing the past and actually having gratitude, then it reduced my stress levels. And I felt so much calmer and so much happier. And then I realized like all that other stuff didn't matter. So, you know, it's like that complete detachment from what had happened and, you know, not overthinking it. Cause obviously if you keep dredging up the past, you're going to stay there. Um, and this is the thing it's really about you know how do how do you how do you feel right now how do you want to feel right now because you can actually choose that you can choose to respond to life however you want to and you know yes we can say all this and when you're in chronic pain of course it's not going to be very easy um I actually have a friend who's in a lot of pain at the moment she's just had some surgery done corrective surgery on her ankle and she's in excruciating pain. And every time I speak to her, how are you? Oh, the pain, the pain is excruciating. Um, and of course, when it's that piercing and that severe, I I can understand why, of course, she's going to keep thinking of it. Um, and she does meditate as well. Um, but she's she's also, I recognize that she's not looking at it in any way other than, like you said, this pain is here right now and this is a part of me so if somebody's in like that excruciating amount of pain is there anything that they can do that minimizes it other than you know thinking about it in that way or I don't know if there's any other tips or tricks you've got there well my my tip right there again is to is to get back into the hierarchy of healing model 
which is what are you doing with the breath? Mm. So when we're in excruciating pain, the, I can guarantee unless we're conscious about our breathing, the breath is short and fast. And mm. we want to lengthen it, deepen it. That right, because that short and fast locks in dysregulation in the nervous system. And it's going to make the pain, uh, it's going to it's going to kick the pain level up. Right. So we begin again. I know, I, I know it sounds kind of like, you know, God, doesn't you have anything else to talk about? <laughs> but it's no, so no. fundamental. So we start with the breath. And then we're then we're concerned about am I do I feel disconnected? You know, in 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 pain, you can't share that with people. And you can say something about it, but you can't actually share it. So um uh, we tend to get isolated and, and we tend to feel isolated and and in and and in um uh and uh, 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 pardon me disconnected from other people so how do we deal with that well that's when like who's the who's doing the healing so you want to connect back into the internal intelligence that infinite intelligence in the body that knows how to heal that's where the connection is. So, you know, doctors can set a bone and stitch up a wound, but they can't tell the body how to heal. Yeah. What's doing? Well, let's get, let's, let's, you know, let's attend to that part of us rather than, oh, this pain signal is driving me crazy. Where's your attention? So regulation, what's happening with the breath connection. Oh, I have this beautiful healer inside of me. Let me connect in with that. Meaning let's focus on that. And and the reason is is really kind of where's my attention, but you have to begin kind of with the breath so that you can actually get to the point like oh I have power of my attention where am I putting it right now? You got to regulate to be able to then see clearly, yeah. Because like I say, when you're in, I've said this before, but when you're in fight, flight, or freeze mode, you actually aren't rational, and you cannot think rationally, and you cannot see clearly the water is muddied um and so you have to get to that point of regulation first um and i know this from my own troubles with anxiety and depression mm -hmm. and disconnection um i had a question that came to my mind and it was so before we came on the on onto the interview elizabeth elizabeth and i were talking about um dr joe dispenser and so obviously hero of mine the trigger of my spiritual awakening <laughs> and um you know he introduced me to epigenetics and it mm. absolutely blew my mind his book you are the placebo wow and mm. i i knew it wasn't a lie i just i knew that it was the truth and so dr joe dispenza has managed to heal his spine as you did um when he had an accident and was told he would never walk again and he's also, I know, cured people from um, uh, metastatic cancer and from other chronic conditions like Parkinson's and things like that. So with that said, do you feel that it's true that it's possible to heal yourself from anything? Well, we live in the world in the present moment. All possibility lives in the present moment. Quantum physics tells us that. So the question is, can I stay present? And um, how do I, uh, the, the, the reason that I like Joe Dispenza's work is because he helps people realize their own potential. Mm. 
And so, um, and he, he also helps, he's not the only one, but he also helps um, to show us the, 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 the blocks the mind can put on the whole operation. So it's kind of like what, well, that's why I like doing ancestral clearing, by the way, is, is part of what my work is because it helps us uh, clear uh, limitations that we came in from the family, or it may have, we may have just come in with or that we learned. It helps us to, it's a, it's another method to help clear that. So his, his work is, is phenomenal. And who am I to say what's possible and what's not possible? I'm just a, a human being. <laughs> <laughs> And with this, you know, I've got 44 bytes of information in the brain. You have 44 terabytes. The idea is to share the information, but it's still only 24, 44 terabytes. So, so who am I to say what's possible? What isn't? <clears throat> it's kind of my answer. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a great answer. And I love that. I love that, um, that it, you brought it back to the present moment again. And it's, it's funny, isn't it? Cause it's such an easy, thing to be distracted from and I catch myself doing this because obviously I'm very much on the spiritual path and I'm very much trying to stay in the present moment but if I actually think about the number of times when I'm not present it's most it's the majority of the day let's be honest um I think it is a great skill to have and I said this the other day to someone, but the minute that you feel yourself getting stressed or you feel pain somewhere, whether that's physical, mental or emotional, um, you you realize, oh, hang on a minute. I'm focusing on the future or I'm focusing on the past. I'm not actually I'm not actually here right now. And, and the minute that you switch back into the moment, um, then it really just fizzles all of that away. Um, at least certainly that's what I found to be true for myself. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a great space of of um, I wouldn't say necessarily complete relaxation, but you can feel some relief from the pressure of fretting about the future or or you know kind of ruminating about the past, which you can't change anyway. So that's kind of a losing proposition. It's yeah. just the mind; it's the nature of the mind, and so the the work is the work and healing really um, you know regulate the body that. What's interesting about this regulation thing is the mind follows the breath. The mind follows what what's happening in the nervous system. So if the nervous system jacked up, the mind is going to be ah right. So we we really we really want to. That's why I keep starting it. This is we start with the nervous system. Is the mind is connected? We can't remember. We can't separate mind body from spirit. They act as a system. So what happens to one happens to the other. In this case, the the um, the breath and the nervous system really drive the mind. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, more so than the other way around. So yeah, it's it, uh, to me that's very empowering because I like now I have now I've got a now I've got something I can work with. I've got some information. Oh my goodness, I didn't know I had I had power that I could affect a change in my nervous system and that would help calm this mind. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it, it really is amazing. And the, the mind body connection fascinates me. And I used to ponder about this when I was younger and I used to think, Oh, well, if, if the mind, you know, if you can control your mind, the mind controls the body, then you control everything. But, you know, I didn't know about breath. I didn't know about all these hacks that you can do that, 
actually help to regulate, to harmonize and to put everything in a good equilibrium. Um, yeah, it, it really is amazing. And I think that's such an important message for people to hear is to remember that if you've got something going on with you, it's affecting every single other part of your body whether that's your toe or your elbow, or I'm just being random now, but you know, it could be, it could be anything, anything at all. And so if there's any sort of dysregulation there, there's a reason for it. And a lot of the time it is, we do create our own suffering, like you say, because it is the way that we're deciding things are in our heads. So yeah, really, really powerful stuff. Yeah. Um, I also, I was I was raised <clears throat> really to bow to the mind. We kind of ignored. We fed the body, <laughs> and we sleep at night and stuff. But we just it, it just wasn't. And we were all athletes, but it was all really the mind. And um, it wasn't until later, the time Bruce Lipton was actually doing his uh, had his first book out, um, his book, The Biology of Belief was his first book, um, that I really understood, oh, you know, the the mind is putting out, if you look at me as a whole person or you, any of us, as a, as a whole system of being, what energetically, what we're putting out, 10% is coming out of the mind and the other 90% is coming out of the body. So that's interesting to me. So where am I referencing kind of leverage my power and and then and i'll take i'll take a slight veer to the left here left turn here and say we have the brain in the head we've got you know brain in the heart right that, that that's that's you know recognized now but we also have a brain in the gut so 90 percent of the of the dna in the human body isn't human so we have these and it's it, that that dna is down in the gut the, the 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 microbiome where all the critters are that that actually help us digest and absorb our food, so they're sending signals up again through the vagus nerve. A sugar craving has 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 to do with an addictive cycle in the brain, but it's also the critters in the gut that have gotten used to having sugar. You know the sugar loving critters. Where's my sugar? They'll send the signal up there. So we really have to kind of, this is another way of looking at the system as a whole and understanding, you know, how, where's the power? Where, where, can, where, can, where can I use, um, where can I get some leverage uh, to, to really tap into my own potential? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and this is the thing. We're so complex. <laughs> and and I think a lot of us don't realize. I mean, I read we're made up of seven octillion atoms, which is just absolutely insane. Um, and I think each cell in our body, let me get this right. I think it's 3.5 trillion cells. This is all coming from the top of my head. So forgive me if these mm -hmm. figures are wrong, but I do know this is correct. But one cell contains 100 trillion atoms, which is wow. insane. It's insane. And remember, everyone, <laughs> that we're all made of energy. So it's like all these like vortexes spinning uh, to create this solid matter, which just blows my mind. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, an example yeah. of our sheer complexity. And then on top of that, 
you know, we've got, like you say, all these little microorganisms that are actually made up of us. And I know that freaks people out to hear, but it's, it's the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always say like, you are your own God. Do you know what I mean? So what you feel, what energy that you're able to, to produce, to, uh, to emit, um, to generate, you know, that's effectively you, you talking to all those trillions of cells within your body and giving them instructions. And so, you know, if, if you can generate the right energy and the right frequency, then they are going to change their behavior. And therefore, that is another way to look at healing, I guess, is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I, that's an interesting idea. My feeling is we have to, we have to be very um, discerning about the information that we bring into the system. Mm. And as long as we're, um, as we're really mining the information carefully, then we can do what you're talking about. But yeah. if, we're, if we're bringing in, you know, um, you know, a highly processed food and lots of sugar and things like that, you're going to create an imbalance in the system and, 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 and it's, it's going to be much more difficult to get where you're heading. Totally. Yeah. Like we were saying, it comes back to that regulation in the body that you need first before any of this is even possible. So you spoke earlier about ancestral healing. So why is that an important thing to look at? And there might be people listening who don't really understand about it. Like they don't know what it is. So can you just explain a little bit about that aspect of the work that you do? Sure. Um, so you mentioned epigenetics earlier, um, and, and spiritual teachers have been saying for thousands of years that we come into this life with the gifts and the burdens of our ancestors. Um, I think they talk about the sins of the father in the, in the Bible, for instance, as a, as a, as a quick reference. Um, but also science has been able to um, see that we uh, epigenetically, they've been able to measure seven generations front and back. Um, and they've they've seen, for instance, um, uh, Rachel Yehuda and her team have done work on uh, s- descendants of survivors of the Holocaust, mm-hmm. and they've found that their their cortisol levels are um, are lower, meaning they don't handle stresses. They don't handle. Uh, they're not as resilient. It's an example of how of, of some find some kind of some sciencey findings on effects of the past on current generations. So that's a little bit of a science around it. Um, but you can think about it in terms of also when when we are in our mother um, when our when our we're in our mother. Let me put it this way. When my mother was in the womb of my grandmother, my mother's eggs were there at about four months. The eggs that she made me with, the egg that she, they're at about four months. So we actually, in the womb, we share energy with our mother and our grandmother energetically. Wow. And my grandmother shared it with her grandmother, right? So it kind of goes out like that. So you can see 
how we share energy through the generations. Wow, I've if, never thought about it like that before. Yeah. So, so I mean, I I've experienced the effect of this work, the ancestral healing, um, the clearing. Uh, ancestral clearing is a, a, a registered trademark process by John Newton of Health Beyond Belief. It's a specific modality that he uses to help us um, to help that he teaches to help um, help us release the the burdens, um, the weight of the effects of pa- past events in our life, the weight, the the guilt, the shame, the the resentment, the whatever the thing is, the grief, the unresolved the unresolved stuff, the the unfinished business, yeah. Okay, so it just literally clears, clears back through the generation. It helps that, yeah. And I, I can, I can share. There's five techniques in in the in the process of of ancestral clearing, and I can share one of them with your listeners uh, right now, if that's okay. Sure, go for it. I can have an experience of it. So I just want everyone um, who's who's listening to this. uh, It 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 doesn't. It's as effective live as it is. in the replay, uh, everyone who's listening to just just uh, sit quietly and notice what you're feeling in the body, the sensation you're feeling in the body, kind of note what the number is and breathe, just breathe normally and let these words wash over you. We use the word in this practice, we use the word forgiveness to mean to offer up that which no longer serves. And we ask source, creator, God, consciousness, whatever you want to call, great spirit, whatever you want to call the thing that created all of this, we ask it to help us release that which no longer serves. We use this word forgive to mean help us release what no longer serves. So here we go. Infinite creator, source of of all that is, was, and ever will be. We ask humbly and gratefully that you help everyone listening to this and all their relationships all their ancestors and all their relationships through all relevant time, space, dimension, realms, lifetimes, and incarnations for any time they felt let down by life, by family members, by relationships, by anyone representing the creator, for any time they felt let down by the creator in any name or form, and for any time they turned their back on the creator or believed the creator turned their back on them. Please help them all to forgive each other forgive themselves and find peace with one another and find peace with themselves. Please and thank you. For all the times you weren't nurtured, loved, supported, and cherished, please help all of you to forgive each other and forgive yourselves. For the times you didn't nurture, love, and support others in the ways they needed. For any time you were out of integrity with one another, with another or another out of integrity with you, please help all of you to forgive and release one another and forgive and release yourselves for the highest good please and thank you for all war, battle, holocaust, genocide, persecution, slavery, injustice of any kind, any misuse of power, position, authority, politically, spiritually, medically, or in any other way. Please help everyone involved to forgive one another and forgive themselves for all that happened and all they made it mean now and forever, please and thank you. For all hurts and wrongs, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, sexual, financial, through thought, word, or action. All of you to another and another to all of you. Please help all of you to forgive each other, forgive yourselves for the highest good, please, and thank you. Now take a breath in and let it out and just notice how that feels in the body. 
Mm, I'm doing it as well. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. That's beautiful. It's it, just it, a little, just a few, that's just a, a, a little piece, uh, a, a little bit of a much longer prayer that we could do, but I wanted to be careful of the time. Yeah, no, that's that's a really, yeah, that's beautiful. And that's really, really powerful as well. Um, I'm going to go a bit woo on everyone now. So as I, as you were saying that, um, well, the first thing is that for me, I felt just full body chills. Um, mm. And I also sometimes get that when I sense something is around and I saw something in the corner of my eye that I looked at that was moving and then disappeared. Um, so we've been talking a lot about spiritual um i've been sharing a lot about my spiritual experiences and sometimes i will pick up on things that are around and i saw something there it was kind of it was like a person changing position sat down and then just disappeared um so there we go i just wanted to share that so maybe that was one of my ancestors coming back saying thank you <laughs> who knows <laughs> Yeah, all kinds of things happen in this practice. Thank you for sharing that. That's 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 awesome. <clears throat> we yeah. um we often feel um shifts in the body, and we don't make claims that we can heal anything in this practice, but we we are it's a complementary practice to all other healing modalities. So we 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 just come at the space from a little different perspective, and uh, oftentimes that's helpful. Mm, amazing. Well, I love all the work you're doing. It sounds incredibly powerful. And I feel like there's so much to your journey, to your experience. And I feel like, you know, people listening, like I feel like they need to kind of be there and experience it with you to get the full effect of what you can do. Because I can feel like there's so much that you have to offer. Um, and it's difficult, isn't it, in a podcast interview to to get it all across. Um, but I I feel you, I hear you. And yeah, I just think it's amazing work needed. Well, thank you so much. Um, if anybody wants to get a hold of me, they can find me at my website, Elizabeth, got to put a dash in between Kip, elizabeth-kip.com. You need the hyphen in there because elizabethkip.com is a web designer and a, um, and a photographer and she's amazing. <clears throat> but she's <clears throat> she's not me. It's Elizabeth <laughs> with a hyphen, kip.com. And I'm all over social media. You can find me there too. Beautiful. Well, don't worry. I'll put all your details in the show notes. And I want to ask you one last question before we part ways today. So from all your incredible experiences and journey that you've had in life so far, what has been your most significant life lesson? Oh, where am I looking for my healing? <laughs> I, I kept, it's just the orientation that I had as a child. If if we get, if we, if something happened to us, call the doctor, call the nurse. It, the, the, the adults who I'm, they're my role model. They're all looking that way. And, and then, you know, nobody said the greatest healer in your life is within that intelligence that we're both talking about, that that incredible, you know, whatever, it, that intelligence that made this system that you described so beautifully a few minutes ago, that intelligence, that um, that's our reference point for who's doing the healing. 
So that's where the gratitude, attention for the gratitude goes. And and uh, yes, I love the doctors and love the practitioners, the health practitioners. And heck, I'm a health practitioner myself, um, as are you. We all have our place. But our job really is to give the client information they need to help guide them to their own healing so that they understand they have some power. They have power in there. They've got lots of power in that in the healing equation. And that was that was the most profound thing that I that I feel like I learned as, as a patient. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And I was talking uh, with a lady earlier, actually, that I was interviewing and we were saying how it's important to not actually take shortcuts as well, um, because it's through the learning and through the experience that you're actually then able to to use that as a tool for later on in life. And actually, sometimes when we want the quick fix and the shortcuts, um, nine times out of 10, it's going to actually set you back. So, yeah, I love that. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't even know. I don't know how a shortcut would would. Um, I mean, a shortcut would be, you know, leverage the breath to get yourself regulated quickly. But that's not really a shortcut. That's actually just a solution. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, I was thinking more like with the pills, you know, like, oh, like pills, yeah, for years yeah. Um, yeah. to try and, but as we know, it doesn't actually cure it. It just masks it. But um, yeah, it, uh, such a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much for your time today, Elizabeth. I've really enjoyed talking to you. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kat. It's, it's, it's been my pleasure and I, I, I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. <laughs> Well, there we go, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that incredible conversation with the beautiful Elizabeth. If you would like to get in contact with her or you have any questions for her, then all her details are in the show notes just below. If you are interested in finding out more about what I have to offer, then of course, all my details are in the show notes as well. You've got my Instagram link on there, my website and the link to apply to work with me one-on-one -on -one is also available for you. Now, if you are enjoying the show and loving the Wellbeing Wanderer podcast, then I do hope that you have already hit that subscribe button as this is how the show grows. And also when you leave a five-star review or rating, then it also boosts it up the charts and it means I can grow the show bigger, better, get more exciting guests on and this also means it's going to reach the ears of more people, meaning I can help more people. And finally, it wouldn't be a proper show if I didn't leave you with my traditional final parting message. The process of self-healing is the privilege of every being. Self-healing is not a miracle, nor is self-healing a dramatisation of the personality as though you could do something superior. Self-healing is a genuine process of the relationship between the physical and the infinite power of the soul. Thank you for listening, everybody. I will see you next week. 